step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Four-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Three-time winner for Best Sports Reporter and Commissioner of the SECHC. And Glenn Blackwell. It's time to talk all things hockey in the music city. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 1025 The Game. Hello and welcome to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Sorry, I saw Glenn's face as I'm yelling into the microphone there. I mean, your your hello and welcome gets better every week. I try, I try. <laughs> welcome, in, jump. <laughs> welcome into Penalty Box Radio, folks. We have plenty to discuss, including the National Predators, because, of course, National Predators <laughs> prospects, and maybe a few more things. We'll see what comes up in our last segment there, but a big show tonight. Philip Tomasino, National Predators prospect currently playing in Chicago with the Wolves because Milwaukee's not playing, will be joining us in our next segment. Then George Matarangas, our lead analytics reporter for PBR, will be coming up in the third segment. So we're going to deep dive into analytics and just get his thoughts on this season because there's plenty of data out there now about goaltending lineup and potential rebuild, what he would do in a potential rebuild. He might be shocked at some of his answers, so we'll see. He's, he's always willing to tell it like it is. But Glenn... The National Predators have a two-game winning streak, albeit I want to temper people's excitement here over the teams they won and how they won, but the Predators finally put a couple things together over the previous couple games. They did, finally, and this is something that, I mean, like you said, we're not going to try to hype this up, but a little bit of promise. I mean, when I'm looking at last night's game against Detroit, Tolvanen, that shot from the left circle, the pass from Forsberg, we're seeing Tolvanen get comfortable in his own skin as a player. You love to see that. That's promising. It's one small aspect of the game, but I think it's a big one. Um, I mean, because let's be honest, Justin, like Forsberg's shoulders have probably been hurting a little bit lately. It was nice to see him get some help. Um, but when I'm looking to at, at the lines at the beginning of the game, it's, I mean, it's interesting because yeah, they, when things aren't working, you have to switch things up, right? But when you're looking at the lines at the beginning of the game and you're just kind of like, oh, okay, this is this is what we're doing tonight. Look at that top center who's back from injury <laughs> shining on the third line. But you do what you have to do to win, and they won that game last night. They won two games, period. I mean, isn't that what – you know, that's all that we've been asking out of them lately is just to find a way to win the game. Um, I think that they're gaining – go ahead. Oh, well, and I was about to say, to and do it with power play goals and staying out of the box. Exactly. And right I there. think when you see that kind of stuff, I'm, I'm seeing that they're gaining a little bit of their confidence back. And I think, I mean, you can't underestimate what that confidence can do for a team. Not, again, not hyping this up, but the worst possible scenario is to, after that horrific streak, still be a team that's like looking like we can't do this. We can't figure it out. And I think that this team did not give up on themselves yet. And so I think that that's crucial. It's a mind over matter thing. And I think we're slowly starting to see that they did not, they don't, they don't feel defeated yet. And I think that some teams in that situation where they have been the last few weeks can feel defeated and you can see it. And I think that I I don't think that they had, they have not let this get the best of them yet. So I'm seeing their confidence back a little bit. And I think that's promising. 
it is it, for me if anything too it's good to see role players that are supposed to be performing perform like philip forsberg and having that incredible pass to Ali Tolvanen uh, on the power play, which is something when I asked them about that, is something they've been working on, is basically having the defense gravitate towards Phil with leaving the other wing wide open, which is exactly what happened. It also happened on Forsberg's goal on his own in the power play that the same thing happened, except he shot this time. So you can tell the way they're trying to do it is have people know that Forsberg's going to shoot because he's a shooter, and shooter's going to shoot which is going to leave the other winger wide open if there's a, a passing lane that Phil, because he is that talented, can get it over to him. Tolvin and stepping up, getting a goal was big. Uh, Pecorine, the, the thing for me with him, even though there obviously been some goals this season that we know he would want back, he obviously is the starter right now for reasons that he's starting more games or starting the first game of series, but he made some saves we haven't seen him make as much in the past couple seasons, which are game-stealing saves. Saves that when made absolutely make the game winnable because it allows the other team, it doesn't allow the other team to score. I mean, he had some of those where he's flopping around and making saves that we haven't seen him necessarily make all the time, which has been difficult. And, and again, last night's game would not have been a 2-0 game without Pecorino. I really don't think so. Yeah, I, I, I fully a, believe that. He had a few goals where he really did steal that game. So I, I fully do believe that. And the, the thing is they get the win over Columbus, which has been up and down roller coastery for them. They get a win against Detroit, which is a team they should be beating right now for confidence level reasons. Mm-hmm. My thing is we've seen more buy-in to the system in these in those two wins, which is they're going to the net. If you look at the, any of the heat maps, you can see the Predators are going to the net and getting plenty of shots from the home zone, which is right in front of the net between the face-off dots. Mm-hmm. That's where they have to be getting more shots because those are high danger opportunities. High danger meaning you're close to the net. You have a better opportunity of them going in, generating rebounds, everything like that that's going to turn into a goal, a scoring chance. You're, you're not going to get as many of those when you're shooting from the point all the time. Yeah, some will get through, but the goaltender has more time to see it. Most often, if they're not, unless there's really heavy screens in front and traffic, they're going to get saved or they're going to ricochet off of something else and away from the net. You got to drive to the net. Good things happen when you go to the net, and that's what they've been doing. Do I still think this team needs to embrace a rebuild? Yes. Yes, I do. It's, it's one of those things that if you want this team to be good in the future, you embrace it now because you've seen what can happen. This team is obviously going to win some games because it's sports. Things are going to happen. You're going to have some really good days. You're going to have some pretty bad days. And I think overall, this team is going to have mostly average days on the ice. This is not a hit on the organization. It's not a hit on players or anything like that. The window is closed. You have assets that you can trade off. And I'm not saying trade everyone right now because it's the middle of the season, but they're one-year contracts that you can trade off and you can get assets in return because if you want this team to do well in the future, you look at the future and then if you rebuild and you do a three-year rebuild, which is what it typically takes, then you're opening your window right back up. That's what you, I mean, that's the thing right there. If you can say in three years, this team is going to be competing for a playoff spot and then five years, they can make a cup run when you're having Tomasino entering in his prime and Tolvanen maybe in his prime, and other players are going to draft in their prime, and Igor Afanasyev entering his prime. Th- those things right there are are the things we can look forward to if they embrace it right now. So it's it's good to see some players stepping up. I still just don't have the full confidence yet uh, in this team right now as it is because they have to prove more. Get a win over Tampa. Get wins against Carolina. Get wins against Florida. Those teams like that, and maybe that'll change. The tone will change right there. Yeah. And I mean, I don't have like, this is not me saying, well, this is their Stanley cup year now after right. those two wins, <laughs> but I, I have, 
I, I see the promise when I don't see them looking defeated. In the last two games, I don't think that they have let this get the best of them. I know that they still do believe that they can do this. And I think, like you said, there we see a little bit of that buying into the system. It's promising for you to ask Philip Forsberg a question about the play that they made and then say, yes, that's something that we've been working on. It's promising to see them crowding the net at times when for how long have we all said that this team needs to do that? And we're just, we're seeing it. So it's slow, but I think that it's, it's progress in the right direction. It's better than the alternative, which is not seeing anything change. So I think that right now, a little bit of progress and a step in the right direction is all that we can really ask out of this team. And especially when you have a player like Tolvanen stepping up, or if you have per se a player like Mikhail Glenlin stepping up, it boosts his trade value. I mean, it does. <laughs> all those little things right there too, but it, good for Forsberg just to continue to put this team on his back and carry. Cause that's, that's what Forsberg does is he carries. So anyways, we've got to jump to the next segment, but up next, really excited to have him. It's been a little bit since we talked to him, but Philip Tomasino, National Predators top prospect currently with the Chicago Wolves. He's joining us next here on Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. Excited to have our next guest on. He's no stranger to the show. We have Phil Tomasino joining us. Phil, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. So just what's it been like for you? I mean, it's been a while since we talked. It's been basically a, a year since things shut down we're getting close to that shutdown point just what has this overall time been like for you uh, in terms of getting up and ready to get back to playing hockey and and what you took the time to, to do yeah I mean it's been uh it's been pretty crazy last uh kind of five months here for for myself it's been uh, a lot going on and um obviously with the world juniors and uh you know now with Chicago it's been uh it's been a lot of fun and it's I've had a blast and uh, you know, I'm lucky to, to be playing. I know a lot of kids around the world aren't uh, aren't playing right now. So I think we're real we're, we're lucky to be playing games and, and, and getting a chance to compete against each other. So uh, it's been a lot of fun. I'm having a blast. So. And Philip, I want to dig a little bit deeper into your experience at the World Juniors. It looked for a bit like you were going to be the extra forward, not getting that time in the first game. But what stands out to me is that you didn't allow that to get the best of you. Um, and in that situation, that could have been the case for some players. And as we know, an injury on the team allowed you into that spot and you made the absolute best out of your time on ice that you were given. So I kind of want to go into what was your mindset and your headspace during that time, transitioning from that first game sitting out into getting that time on ice and playing some really, really good hockey. Yeah. I mean, it, it was tough for me. Um, you know, I've never really been uh, kind of in that position before, so uh, I didn't really uh, really know what to expect. I thought I had uh, you know pretty good training camp, and it was obviously uh, you know made the team and felt pretty good about myself. And um, obviously had a had a meeting with the coaches before our first game against Russia, and they they basically told me that I'd be 14th forward. So um, I knew whenever I got my chance, I, I'd have to prove to them what what I'm capable of doing, and um, that show them I, I can help you know make a difference on this team and. Um, obviously with the, with injury to, to Kirby, um, it was, it was hard to see, but uh, like you said, it obviously gave me a chance to, to get into the lineup and, and show what I could do. And I think it just really took advantage of that. And uh, I kind of had that mindset that uh, I wanted to kind of prove the coaching staff wrong and I uh, wanted to, to prove that I can be a difference maker on this team and I can help the team win. So uh, I think overall they had a, had a pretty good uh, term individually, obviously not the result we, uh, we wanted as a team, but um we had a lot of fun together and it was, it was a blast and um, I was really, really lucky to be in that, in the situation. So. 
and Nashville Preds fans have been not so patiently waiting for the day that your name takes up a permanent (laughs) spot on this Preds roster because we've watched from afar your growth, your development. We've seen the versatile type of forward that you are, and we can all see the value that you're going to bring to an organization like this. What has been your personal focus on your growth and development for the game that's, that's elevated you into the game that you're in now? Um, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is is strength, just getting the chance to play against men this year. Um, you know, in a normal year, technically wouldn't even be you know, eligible to, to be in the AHL right now. So uh, I think in a way we're a little lucky to, to you know, be playing against men kind of a year early and kind of take advantage of that. And uh, I think I, I, I've fit in pretty well. I've, I've done pretty well against them. But um, I think the, the main thing is, is to be you know, in the NHL level. I think I've said before, I think I'm ready, but I think this is a good, good learning step to, to kind of get adjusted to to the pro lifestyle and you know, finally compete against men. And uh, I think it, think it's been a blast. I think I'm doing uh, pretty well. Obviously there's a lot more stuff I can continue to, to grow on to kind of reach a next level. But um, overall, I've, I felt pretty good about my, myself and my game so far. And uh, I think uh, looking forward to, you know, hopefully find that uh, that day in Nashville comes pretty soon, but you know, the focus right now is to just continue to, to work on my overall game and doing everything I can to, to reach that level. So. And again, joining us right now is 2019 first-round pick for the National Predators, Philip Tomasino on Penalty Box Radio. And and looking at – this is a unique situation with having Predators prospects and Carolina prospects play in the same team together. I mean, you guys are off to a 7-0 start, which is pretty darn good and pretty impressive. But what's it been like playing with some of these guys that you probably didn't necessarily expect to play with, like a Seth Jarvis or a Ryan Suzuki or some of these other prospects that typically you're not going to get that experience unless it's maybe in junior or maybe a, a team from a, from a nation that you're representing, like a team candidate or something. What's that been like playing with these guys that you haven't really had an opportunity to play with before? Yeah, it's been awesome. I mean, like you mentioned, I think uh, I've gotten the chance to play with, with guys like, like Jarvis and, and Suzuki and Reese um, at team Canada camps and with, and with team Canada. So uh, I've kind of been familiar with those guys, uh, especially Suzuki and Reese kind of ever since we were young, we played minor hockey against each other. So that's, uh, that's been fun. And, but I think just overall, again, a chance to, to meet some new Carolina guys and um, obviously had the chance to, to meet some, some natural guys from, from prior uh, the development camps and stuff like that. So, um, but just to get, uh, you know, get to know the guys more, it, it's been awesome. And uh, I think uh, we, we have a pretty good team here and we're having lots of fun together and um, it's cool to, to be with new guys and, and see new faces every day. So, uh, I'm, I'm having a blast. That's for sure. I think everyone here is having a lot of fun and it's cool when you get the chance to, to, to play with new guys and, um, you know, get an opportunity to maybe play with guys that, you, like you say, you're not really, uh, used to playing with. And it's, it's been a lot of fun. I think, uh, we've had a lot of, a lot of good games so far. So hopefully we, uh, we keep this going here. So, so three goals in the season so far for you and, in the game where you got your first pro goal, you scored twice and had a three-point game. What a, what a first pro experience that was. And, I mean, you got your first two points out of the way that first game uh, it, early February. But what was that like just scoring your first pro goal? I mean, obviously, first for something that's always going to stick with you. But given the unique situation and that there's no fans there or anything like that, is it something that really stands out to you? And just what was going through your mind as you're taking this, this tremendous next step in your career? Yeah, that was pretty cool. I mean, um, you know, usually I've scored a, a, you know, a couple of first goals and they've always been with fans. So that was a little weird to kind of have, not have any fans in the building, but, um, no, it was awesome. I think, uh, to kind of get that first one of the way was, was pretty good for myself just to kind of not have, have that, you know, that, that kind of pressure on you where you haven't scored. So I think it was pretty good to kind of get there early, early out of the way. And, um, but, uh, no, I think overall it's, it's been a blast and I'm having lots of fun and 
Um, but I think, like I said earlier, there's a lot of stuff I can continue to grow on and I can grow on to, to kind of reach a next level. And I think I could definitely uh, be putting a little bit more pucks in the back of net. So I think I want to continue to, to work on that as well. But um, no, I think just that first one was, was obviously really nice and kind of have that two, you know, two goal game as well was, was pretty cool. So definitely something I'll always remember. So. Well, I have no doubt there's going to be more opportunities to put pucks in the back of the net. That's for sure. So, and, and obviously too, it's been a unique situation. I mean, at the beginning of the season, David Poyle, when talking to me, even said that he had a good talk with the prospects and everything, just saying how the season's going to be different. There's going to be different experiences for everyone and not necessarily going to plan the way they might've thought it would because of short and condensed season, everything too. With your experience now with Chicago and everything, what have, what is the team that you're able to, to, to spell upon has said what they've liked about your development, what they want you to continue to work on and things like that. Cause obviously you're very, very close. You're, you're so, so close to making that, that big debut with the big team. Yeah, I think, um, I think the biggest thing is, is continue to get stronger and um, work on my overall game. I think, uh, you no, know, I think a pretty good offensively. I think there's some, some things defensively I can, I can definitely continue to grow. And I think, like, you know, maybe that's something that, you know, in junior you could probably get away with, but um, at the pro level, you kind of can't get away with, with all the guys. They're, they're so smart and strong in the puck. So I think that's something that I need to continue to grow on for sure. But, um, no, I think uh, I think strength is obviously one thing that that's big for for me and I'm obviously the biggest guy out there. So um, along the boards, I think I've, I've, I've adjusted pretty well to that, but continue to grow. I think it's even the next level, kind of a next step from even from the HL to the NHL, just how strong the guys are on pucks and, um, especially along the boards and uh, in battle. So that's something that, uh, that we, we, we want to work on uh, a lot. And I think I've, I've definitely progressed a lot in that, uh, in that area for sure. But um, no, I think just the biggest thing is continue to work on my overall game. I think that's what really helped me kind of reach a next level for sure. So. Well, we know it's coming soon and just can't wait to continue to see your progress there in Chicago and glad you're having that opportunity to play. Cause like you said, not everybody has the opportunity to play. So just really glad you're getting that opportunity to keep on developing and getting better and better. And we can't wait to see you here in Nashville, but Phil, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us, man. We appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you very much for having me. All right, folks, Philip Tomasino. I know everyone is excited to see him make the Predators roster, hopefully in the very near future, but he's doing good things in Chicago. Uh, like he said, he, he's playing against men now instead of playing in juniors, so it's really good for his development. And, hey, maybe this is one of those blessing in disguise, Glenn, that then instead mm -hmm. of having to be forced to make the big jump to the NHL, that he's taking that little next step that typically someone coming from Canadian juniors is not able to do because of the, the age agreement there too. So this, this is a good step in the right direction for him. It really is. I think that this is, you know, one of those silver linings that amidst a horrific year, in this case, this is truly something that I think it's going to benefit him and kind of just expedite that process because he's been given an opportunity, like he said, to play with men where, whereas he wouldn't have gotten that opportunity if the situation was different. So um, it truly is. And it, it's awesome too. his mindset. He's seeing this as a great opportunity. Yes, things look very strange, but it's like, you know what, I'm going to capitalize on this opportunity and I'm going to make the best of it. And you cannot go wrong with experience. I mean, that's, you cannot go wrong with that. So thrilled for him. It's been awesome watching him develop as a player. Um, and I, along with so many, can't wait to see him <laughs> on that permanent roster because he's, he's doing great things and he's going to only continue to get better. It's going to happen in the near future. I know it. I mean, if not this year, then definitely next year, he'll be a permanent fixture on this roster because he's making those right strides and he obviously is taking it 
one step at a time in the right direction. So just glad we're able to catch up with him and we'll continue to try to catch up with other Predators prospects as well. Uh, Chicago was great to deal with. And yeah, it's looking like almost an all-star prospect roster in Chicago when you're combining two squads like that. I mean, yeah, th- these prospects are having a fun time g- getting to play with some other top prospects from other organizations too. It's no wonder yeah. they're 7-0 and to start the season. Which is, yeah, which is cool because when you look back at your experience, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, that's something that a lot of players won't be able right. to say they were able to do. Right. So it's really kind of cool, honestly. I mean, despite uh, the circumstances, but you know. for sure. Exactly. <laughs> Try to look at it with silver line as much as we can. Exactly. That's, that's what we do here, folks. All yeah. right. Up next, let's discuss some trade rumors and answer a question or two that came in, but mostly discuss some trade rumors. And there's something I want to address that took Twitter by storm last week. And oh, I want okay. to address this just personally as you know, I get a little ranty ranty every once in a while. So we'll discuss that up next year on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. And now let's take a dive into analytics. We haven't discussed it much this season, but I think we're at a point in this season where you can take more of a dive into this and look at trends that are happening, especially with this team. And I think for a lot of fans out there too, what you're going to hear from our next guest is going to match up a lot with what you've been seeing as well, but he's going to be able to explain it in statistical terms to kind of give an explanation of why things are happening and why these trends are happening. So joining us now is George Manarangas. He's the, the lead analytics reporter for Penalty Box Radio. George, thanks for joining us, man. Oh, always a pleasure, Justin. So first of all, let's start with a, a broad point. <laughs> Just your <laughs> overall view of this season and is it one of those things that looking at the trend this team has taken the past few seasons as well, is this something that basically you predicted to happen so far? I don't necessarily know if I would have predicted it to happen this drastically, but this is something that I think has been plaguing the Predators for a while, pretty much since their their cup run. Actually, is something that a fellow analytics person, Michael Wade, and I have been talking about where this team has very much relied on some good shooting and great goaltending to kind of stay afloat. And now that the good shooting and the great goaltending has kind of left this team, okay, you know, besides the the very fun Pecorine game, like like last night against Detroit, um, the numbers are just are just so far down. Uh, over the last three years, we've seen uh, you know we've seen declines in shot attempts per sixty minutes played. Uh, we've seen declines in goals per sixty minutes played, and that's almost dropped about you know a whole you know a whole number, a whole one it went from. 252 to 276 last season and finally this year it's down to 1.79 goals per 60 minutes played at five on five i mean that's that's almost unheard of i've and i think a lot of it has to do actually with not only the personnel but also a lot of the strategy but i think we can probably get into that in a little bit Um, but just to kind of finish off these numbers uh, we've seen declines in expected goals uh, that pretty much follow uniformly uh, and then a decline in high danger chances like slot shots. And I think everyone's kind of started to notice that, you know, now that the shots in the point aren't exactly going in, everyone's kind of wondering to themselves, well, why don't we try the things that other teams are trying that are working? So George, I want to back it up just a little bit. I love having you on the show because I enjoy the way that your brain works when it comes to statistics. My brain rejects most numbers and math, and I'm not ashamed to admit that it is what it is. And if anybody has followed this show for any length of time, they they know that I tend to look at the game from and the performance from a more of a mental aspect. So it's good for people like me to have people like you who can kind of break this stuff down. Um, 
looking at, let's just say a fan is, is wanting to look at the game more from a numbers perspective, but it, it can be somewhat overwhelming, right? So how would you advise someone who's new to the analytics of the game on how to approach that without getting overwhelmed? Because when it is broken down properly, I do believe that it adds a lot of value into the insight of the game itself. Yeah, luckily there's, this is probably the the best time to get into analytics and tomorrow and the day after are going to be even better than that. Um, a lot of the people in the stats community are very friendly and outgoing and I am, I barely scratched the surface. You know, a lot of these people have models and predictive outcomes and stuff like that. Whereas I just kind of look at the numbers and try to identify trends myself, but uh, it really depends on how much you want to get into it. If you want to just be someone that's a little more casual, you know, naturalstattrick.com is one of the best free resources you know, you can throw them a little bit of money if you want to on Patreon, but quite frankly, you don't have to. It's free. It's got everything you'd want from it uh, as far as the numbers. And it has a great explanation or exp- uh, has a great uh, you know, explanation on what each number is and what it means and how they got there in their glossary page. Uh, if you want to get a little bit more into it, um, <clears throat> people like, you know, Sean, well, who used to be Sean Tierney had a great visualizations page. Uh, but I think he just got hired by someone actually. So good for him, bad, bad for us. Um, but you know, people like Corey Schneider, um, Mitch Brown, uh, does great work in like the CHL. Uh, but a lot of these people, you know, pour time and effort into these, uh, into these numbers and tracking stuff like zone exits and zone entries, which is something that I did last year, which let me tell you, it was, a, uh, it was not easy, but you know, the thing is it's all a labor of love. And so a lot of these people will be more than happy to share whatever info they have, especially if you're you know, willing to reach out and ask, whether it be publicly or privately. That, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And that's, that's a good way to look at it, George. So that, let's, let's go back into our deep dive now, because I think we have a good intro there and folks too, you can always tweet at George yes. as well. And he'll um, always answer any questions. He'll, he'll answer any questions. He'll clap back sometimes, but, <laughs> but he'll answer questions because what I've learned about George is he's more than happy to share this information and get more people on the analytics train because it just gives you another way to look at the game too. Instead of just saying, well, those are the stat, those are the simple stats that we see here. That's everything. That's all the story of the game, but it's not the whole story of the game. And so let's look at goaltending because that's been discussed so much this season already when last season, Saros took over as the number one, especially when John Hines came in. This season, Saros struggled. Pecorine obviously looks to be the 1A option right now, getting more starts for the time being. I mean, they're not going to name a number one starter or whatever. They just go, who is hot at the time? Well, what's the goaltending situation been like for this National Predators team, the trends that you're seeing as well? And is there anything that can be done to fix it? Or is it one of those things that in the future, while they're waiting for Askarov to get over here, they might have to look outside the organization too? Uh, well, it's not good. Uh, that's for that's for certain. Um, you don't you don't ever you know Pecorino is an incredible goalie and you know probably the best player for the National Predators of all time. But you don't want to rely on a 38 year old goaltender. That's just never the route you want to you want to see yourself in. And I'm glad that they've split up the starts to try to give UC Saros you know those minutes. But quite frankly, with the way he's playing he's just not really earning it as much uh, as you'd like to see. I mean, he has a, a 913 save percentage at five on five, which is quite well below. Um, granted, you know, the Predators are, have given up 52 high danger shots against uh, in, the, in the 10 games he started, which, you know, doesn't take a mathematician to figure out that's about five per game. It's not very good, but 
it's just no matter which way you cut it, he just needs to be better. His positioning's been off. His uh, his rebound control is atrocious. You see him fighting a lot of shots from his glove hand. I mean, again, you say what you will about the defense because they're not doing a very good job of, of protecting him. But there's a lot of pucks that, you know, I think once or twice a game, like, oh, he probably should have had that one. You know, he would really like to have that one back. Uh, and with Rene, you're just not really seeing that as much. He has a 931 save percentage at five on five. He has 1.81 goals saved above uh, average. And at the same time, he's faced just a fewer, just a few fewer shots from the high danger areas, but he's stopped uh, over 90% of them. Whereas Saros has stopped about 76 or 77% of those shots. So it's pretty clear that Saros is just getting outplayed. And this puts the Predators in a very tricky situation. Cause like what you said, uh, everyone expects Askarov to be, you know, ready soon, ready or ready at least shortly for a goaltender. But goaltenders take longer and I think even the most optimistic timelines I've seen have had Askarov coming in not next year but the year after and what do you do because I don't think Pecorini is going to want to play that much longer I don't I don't think that uh he's um, and, you know can Saros man the helm are you happy with are you happy with what he's given you um but of course there's also the chance that Saros gets better I mean, he started last season off pretty bad, if I remember correctly. And he was facing a lot of similar issues. And then halfway through the season, he just kind of figured it out. So we'll have to see. We'll have to keep an eye on it. But I think that John Hines is actually doing the right thing by, by splitting minutes there. All right. Again, joining us right now is George Matarangas, lead analytics reporter for Penalty Box Radio. So let's look at lines and just based on what you've seen, especially with the analytics and especially with finishers, because there aren't many. <laughs> on this team as we know philip forsberg obviously is a finisher matt duchene given his opportunities and his generation of offense still fairly dry in terms of actual production out there too and we've seen line jumblings happen whether it's due to injury or just due to rotating guys in and out well we've seen what's your ideal lineup given all the players are healthy and why would you make the lineup that way yeah so that's that's the big thing right is if everyone's healthy um <laughs> because I tend to give John Hines a little bit of slack here with the lines that he has to come out with um, and also the players that he's given. But I think it starts off with Forsberg, Duchesne, and Arvidsson, and you just kind of say full speed. You know, we can we can talk about defense later, but we're just going to give them the most sheltered minutes possible and just see what they can do um, and, and hope, you know, hope that they score more than they get scored against. Because uh, at this point, Forsberg's really the only – finisher on the team that's actually performing and Duchesne can still, you know, is still a very good passer and has still done a good job this season of passing. Um, you'd like to see Arvidsson get, get going a little bit. And I think playing with Duchesne and Forsberg would probably be the best for him, but at, at the worst comes to worst, he's still, he's still a good puck retrieval player and he's still very good on the four check in that regard. Um, following them up, I have Tolvanen, Johansson and Granlund or however you say his name, Mike, Justin, I, I know you have a special way for it. It's Mikhail Glenland. It's okay. Glenland, yeah. Um, you know, I, I think you got to give Tolvin the best opportunity to, to thrive. And he's just not going to do that on the third or fourth line. And, you know, maybe there's something to be said. Johansson can find this game, just passing it to Tolvin rather than, than just passing it to Forsberg. Um, I, I really, I still like Granlund a little bit. I, I go back and forth. He started so strong and it's just kind of faded for me. Um, I, uh, you know, it, it, it's really rough. I, 
every time I, I want to evaluate him fairly, but every time I do, I just think about Kevin Fiala and I get a little bit sad. <laughs> uh, understandable understandable okay we only have about a minute left so all right if this team is going to go into rebuild mode give us your quick hit on some of the most significant moves that you would make all things being equal and all things being fair oh trade everyone no one's untouchable <laughs> like everyone says it's it's always it's gonna be yossi ellis forsberg and, and rene but rene no one's trading for no one's trading significant pieces for rene because how old he is and that's totally fine he, he's earned to stay where he wants to stay but a typical rebuild usually takes about three years if you do it right mm-hmm. by then yossi's gonna be 33 ellis will be 32 going on 33 and forsberg will be 29 i mean he's already forsberg himself is already on the way out of his scoring prime and what do you think he's going to look like going into his 30s, especially as he starts to play a little bit more physical of a role on this team? Because his hits are up compared to the last few seasons. That I'm not saying it will, but it could take some it could take some wear and tear on, you know, on his body. Also, Ellis and jo- Yossi, I don't think they're going to have as high of a value as they do right now. Yossi just won the Norris. There's there is quite you know there's n- never been a better time to trade him, especially if you don't think that this team is a contender. So that, 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 that's what I would do personally. Only one that's untouchable is Tomasino and possibly Eli Tolvanen. Okay, so real quick then, if it's one of those things, because I don't think they would trade both. I think we've obviously heard plenty about Ekholm, but I think between Yossi and Ellis, Ellis was probably, in the Predators' mind, I'm trying to get in the mind of the organization, right, that Ellis is probably more tradable than Yossi right now. Would you agree with that or no? Yes, I don't. I think Ellis... I think Ellis has lower value on the market though, and you won't mm-hmm. get as much for him. Very true. I, but I think at the same time, his analytics suggest that he might play as big of a part in winning games as Yosti might. So at this point, it'd be better to trade the player that has the higher perceived value, especially that just signed a very long contract that could be an anchor near the end of his career. And maybe possibly uh, when you're trying to win again and you have to resign some younger guys. Good points. Well, George, thank you for your insight. We appreciate it as always. And hopefully we'll have another uh, podcast coming from you soon too oh, there, bud. Just, just, uh, <laughs> just, just wait, maybe Saturday. Who knows? No, no pressure. No pressure. All right. Well, that's George Matarangas, folks, our lead analytics reporter with Penalty Box Radio. He does the numbers. He crunches the numbers. He is a nerd in the best way when it comes to <laughs> hockey. So just make sure you communicate with him. If you have any questions about analytics, he's more than happy to answer those questions. George, thanks again for joining us, man. Always a pleasure. All right, up next, had a question concerning Lord of the Rings, and we have some trade rumors to discuss, and also just a, I'm, I feel a little bit ranty, so let's discuss that up next. Okay, up here next, Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. And that was a great conversation with Philip Tomasino. If, if you missed folks, it'll be on PenaltyBoxRadio.com. And Apple Music, Google, SoundCloud, Spotify, mm-hmm. the next morning. We'll, we'll have it up for you so you can listen to that. But Glenn, you had something else you wanted to I, Well, I just appreciated um, his perspective on, you heard him mention a few times that he's having a blast. He's having so much fun. And yet he also was very aware that he still has so much room to grow. He knows games, parts of his game that he needs to continue to grow and needs to continue to work on but he's still having fun. And I love when you hear players, you know, they don't, they take it serious, but they also have that room to say, you know what, this isn't going to be around forever. I'm going to enjoy this while I can. He's having a blast. And I love, love, love hearing that perspective on 
you know what? Like I'm trying to grow my game, but I'm having a fun time while I'm doing it. So. Absolutely right. Okay. Didn't have many questions come in, but here's because there's plenty of topics we can talk about. I know it gets kind of old after a while, but this is a fun one that doesn't necessarily have an answer to it, but it is a good reference to Reddit of six years ago. But this oh, one gosh. is from Dave. This is definitely not for you, Glenn. <laughs> I'll go ahead and <laughs> okay. reference this right off the bat. Uh, how did the Urukai know what a menu was? <laughs> like, am I allowed from, to ask what an Urukai is? This is the, they're orcs. This is from Lord of the Rings. Okay. That is a, that is a long-standing question, and it's just who knows what how they know what a menu was. Did they, did they know what a restaurant was? As well, did they I have don't, to? I don't know. Did they I, I don't know. I don't think they did have restaurants. I can't imagine an orc going and having a sit-down dinner. A sit-down meal? Making a reservation <laughs> for two? Oh, gosh. I don't know. Yes, it's for two. <laughs> Is that Arr. how they talk? I'm learning so much right now. I have no idea. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> okay. Uh, so this is one of those things as well. I, I want to put this out there because it wasn't a question asked to us, but good friend of the show, Dustin Maggard, put this out on his own Twitter account. I figured it'd be a good topic real quick. If you were attempting a rebuild and could keep only one, which player would you keep? So look at the spreads oh. roster. You have one player that you have to keep on the, on the active roster, active roster, yeah. not prospects yeah. or anything. I hate stuff like this, Justin. There's a reason why I'm on this show once a week and I'm not a general manager. I'm not <laughs> on a board. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. I'm just going to go with what first comes to me. And that is Roman Yossi. Okay. Okay. I mean, I, that's that's what first comes to me. Um, but picking one, yeah. That's like I having know, 10 children difficult. and only being like, one of you gets to go to Disney World, the rest have to stay at home. <laughs> right, it's difficult. For me, it's Philip Forsberg because yeah, of age. Okay. More than anything yeah. else, because of age. Yeah. yeah, while he's going to be exiting his prime in a few years, right now, if you're building a team and rebuilding I still think his veteran presence in terms of scoring could be there. Yeah. That's not saying I'm advocating for a trade of other players. It's just the one player. That's a question. No, yeah. Because he's a, he's a close second in my mind when I'm trying to figure out if I could only keep one. But So real quick, wanted to address this thing between rumors, trade rumors, what really are rumors and aren't rumors. And so for those of you that don't know, I also do Locked On Predators podcast, and we've addressed this on there. So we have, it's like daily. We try to do daily podcasts there as well. But this is something that's important because we see it all the time, especially in Facebook groups. Just because an article is published, folks, does not mean that it's a rumor. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. if they're saying yeah. a, a destination for a player could be here, that's not a rumor. That's a writer saying that they would be a good fit here. The same thing happened with Colin Wilson rumors with me before because I mentioned something on Twitter. Mm -hmm. A scout from Buffalo was at a Predators game, and this Buffalo Sabres fan page group said that they sourced me and said that Buffalo was interested. I remember in that. <laughs> Preds inside are like, well, it says he works for the Nashville Symphony. Oh, but it says he's Nashville Predators too. Like, I didn't say anything like that. Like, understand it's the difference. Like, Elliot, yeah. Elliot Friedman put out the actual rumor of who the untouchables were for the Predators. That is a rumor right there, folks, because he's saying mm -hmm. that he has inside information on what players would be available. Whereas mm -hmm. you have multiple, multiple articles out there saying Matthias Ekholm could be a great player for such and such team or a great landing spot for Matthias Ekholm could be here. That's not a rumor. That's someone saying yeah. Matthias Ekholm would fit in well here or this 
receiving team is looking right. for a defenseman like Matthias Ekholm. It's a hypothetical exactly. situation saying, what if, what would this look like if the Nashville Predators traded for Matthias Ekholm? Where would he best fit in? Exactly, so. exactly. And another thing, <laughs> let's address this whole taxi squad thing. Let's my God, it. my <laughs> God, folks. Every time a tweet goes out from the Predators account saying they've reassigned Ellie Tolvanen and Ben Harper to the taxi squad, or then they've called up Ellie Tolvanen from the taxi squad, it doesn't mean they're literally putting them on a freaking plane. <laughs> it is a <laughs> paperwork deal. Taxi. <laughs> it is a paperwork deal. He is still with the team. He is practicing with the team. He's with the team. He's going to get called back up. That's just how it's been going. The reason is he's on a two-way contract. It's a numbers game, guys. The numbers game. It's about salary, how much he's getting paid. So therefore, on game days, he's getting paid his NHL salary. On non-game days, he's getting paid his AHL salary, which sucks for him because there's a huge discrepancy in the money he makes. It's a matter of making a few hundred dollars to a few thousand dollars mm-hmm. in a day. So it, is it one of those things that is exposing a little bit of the problem in the CBA and the player side? It absolutely is because he's getting screwed out of money right now because he should absolutely be getting paid more but he's on his elc contract and that's just the way that it is right now but that's something that the pa should be looking at in the future but it doesn't mean he's leaving the team it doesn't mean he's being scratched right now it means they're literally doing a paperwork move to not have to pay him as much money on an off day that is it i don't know how else i can explain this to be easier for you folks they've said it on the twitter account for the predators they said it in the president's official podcast we're saying it here if you do not get this right now that's on you because we are explaining it to you so many times it's you're like you're refusing to understand or you just want to gripe for the sake of griping i i I keep seeing it from people too. They, they don't understand it, Glenn, that they, some people really do think they're shipping him somewhere. When I even yeah. did, I did a whole thing with freaking Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> <laughs> to try to explain, to give a visual. The taxi squad stays with the team. They can travel with the team or not travel with the team. It all depends on the situation the team wants. They're with the Predators. They're just considered the taxi squad. They're part of the squad. It's but like yeah, they just I mean- put another wing of a hotel. That's all they've done. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the, the predators do, at least from the tweets that I've seen, at least I, the one today, for example, they tweet out the information and then following up with that, they, they let people know this has nothing to do with an on ice performance. I mean, people do, they take it personal. They get angry. They're like he did so good. What else do you want from him? And you're like, no, they, they agree. He's doing great. And he'll be right back up. I'm sure for the next game, <laughs> but it is a, it's a contract. It's a numbers game. That, that's all it breaks that's down it. to. That's it. That's it. Okay, before we leave, before we leave, there's been a few instances of folks calling Predators Media soft mm. out there. And it's really curious because a lot of these takes are coming from people that don't cover the Predators. They, they're not going to the games as media. They haven't been going to the games as media. They rarely talk about the Predators as media. They're not attending press conferences as media, yet they're attacking the media. And it's been very curious to me how there's people that sometimes have been previously in media that Mm -hmm. are attacking the media that should understand how things work when it comes to being someone in media and doing media and covering a team. Mm -hmm. We have to one, maintain a relationship with players, coaches, and PR staff. We can't go guns a blazing into a press conference and ask questions that the fans want us to ask of how, how come you suck during this game? (laughs) Blah, 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 blah. That's not how you word things. If, if someone is accusing me of being soft, then they're obviously not paying attention 
how I'm analyzing games. And just because I put a get, I put gifts out there during games, it's because I'm not a hot take artist that is going to immediately put out a tweet with my thoughts. I'm going to sit back, analyze, think about things, and then talk about it on the radio, talk about it on a podcast, talk about it on video. I'm not going to immediately quickly react to things because right then and there, I need to say something and get it off my mind because I'm going to be a hot take artist and try to get interaction. I get plenty of interaction on pretty much all of my tweets. I'm here to entertain and I'm here to inform. And mm-hmm. I ask tough questions. When Ellie Tolvin was scratched and I thought it was ridiculous, I asked John Hines, but I didn't say, what the heck were you thinking? Scratch Ellie Tolvin in. It was. Ellie Tolvin did not play in this game. Was it a matter of the rotation? Something you don't like? What was it? The mm-hmm. question was asked. You don't have to be. I'm trying to say something that's not going to get bleeped. You don't have to be rude in asking questions to still get answers. Adam Vingen asked plenty of hard questions, plenty of hard questions to, to John Hines, to David Poyle, to everybody. Mm-hmm. We ask questions. There's only so much of an answer that oftentimes we're going to receive. That's just the game. That's how it works. We can only ask so many questions and we're going to get answers in so many different ways. Sometimes they're fun questions. Sometimes the player, the coaches want anything to do with the question. Sometimes they avoid the answer mm-hmm. to the question, but we still ask them. But I don't see any way how Preds Media can be soft because you have hot take artists that don't know anything about how this runs or how it operates out there trying to tell us how to do our jobs I feel like I'm a pretty damn good reporter on this team and I don't have hot takes. I'm trying to be one, the voice of myself, but also two, the voice of the fan in terms of trying to get questions asked to get good answers, to give them information. We pass along the information. That's what we're supposed to do is pass along the information, give opinions when we're asked to give opinions and help analyze the game. My main goal is to grow the damn game. That's my main goal. And to help inform people of what's going on. It's not to be a hot take artist. It's to entertain and it's to inform. That's what I have. And that's what you deliver. And that's why so many people, including myself, appreciate it because your job is not to go out there and cause a fuss. Your job is not to go out there and see who can yell the loudest. I mean, I'm very curious as to what people would want you to ask. What would they expect you to ask? I think that we're just living in a world right now where everybody's just so angry about everything mm-hmm. and they want everybody to yell. And if you're not causing a fuss about something, what does that say about I you? It's so. like, I, I mean, it says I'm doing my job in the right. best way possible. I don't really know. And I love your gifts. I actually think Thanks. it's very, it's, it's a skill to be able to <laughs> relay something or create a mood from one little gif. You don't have to type out a whole rant. No, you what's your mood? It, you can, what, it, what is it? Mm-hmm. And I love that you do, pri- you know, prior to some of the games, what is your mood before this game, guys? And a gif, that's fun for people. It gets people talking, it's engaging, and it's fun. It's not, a, I mean, right. you're, not, you're not here for hot takes. Social I'm, I'm so over engaging. hot takes. It yeah. is. Yeah. Let's be engaging. And that's what we do yeah. is we engage. So, Sorry if I missed ranting about that last week, but was just made aware about some stuff this week and not going to have any of it. Not going to have any of it. Okay. Miss any of today's episode. Make sure you go to penaltyboxradio.com. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, uh, SoundCloud, wherever you subscribe to get your podcast. Subscribe there so you don't miss a thing. Whether it's fantasy hockey or inside looks, college hockey, whatnot, we have a lot of that covered for you at penaltyboxradio.com. Big thanks to our guests, George Matarangas and Philip Tomasino. And for Glenn Blackwell, 
This is Justin Bradford. Thanks for listening to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game.